be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the doors were locked, where the disciples were, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples said to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger into the nail marks and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now a week later, his disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them. And Jesus came although the doors were locked, stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands and bring your hand and put it in my side and do not be unbelieving, but believe. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you come to believe because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that through this belief you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord can be a great motivator in our life or it can be something that paralyzes us. The disciples were behind locked doors for the second time. 
despite being sent the first time. For them, it was fear of the Jews. When we go to confession, the old formula said, because I fear the loss of heaven and the pains of hell. It can be a great motivator or something that paralyzes us. God knows this. Yesterday, while distributing Holy Communion at Mass, I was struck by the fact that in the Gospel, Jesus asked Thomas in his doubts for an action to place his finger in the nail marks or in his side. It required Thomas to make a decision and to act. You have done that by coming to Mass. And he extends himself from his wounds onto your tongues or onto your hands. He pursues us and wants to enter into our fears to say the same words that he said to those apostles before he sent them to say to you, peace. This Sunday, the church celebrates Divine Mercy Sunday and the canonization of these two great saints from Poland, Pope St. John Paul II and Pope Faustina. It's an exciting time in the church when we have saints from the 20th century to reflect upon, to look at their lives. These saints came out of the midst of war, the worst circumstances in Europe, along with Maximilian Kolbe, all from the same region, all during the worst times in the world, during a world war. And yet we can have those kinds of fears when we think about situations in our own world. But we should think about what kinds of things God can bring from the midst of that. I spoke to one of Mother Teresa's nuns, the vocation director in Chicago, because we were sending one of our young women from St. Catherine's last summer, right when the sisters had been martyred. And I said to Sister, I'm so sorry to hear about the loss of your beautiful nuns. And she said, Ah, Father, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of faith. And she was excited about the condition of their souls. Yes, she lost them and their friendships. But she also knew that their their testimony would affect other people's lives. Pope St. John Paul II established the Feast of Divine Mercy as he canonized St. Faustina on April 30th in the year 2000. And then the decree came from the Congregation of Divine Worship and the Discipline of the Sacraments just a few days later, on May the 5th, the first Sunday after Easter. At a dinner following the canonization of St. Faustina and to the surprise announcement 
of the establishment of divine mercy, he had commented that it was the happiest day of his life. Why? Because he said that he had fulfilled the will of Christ by instituting this feast day, the feast of divine mercy. Not only did he establish the feast day by God's providence, he also died on the vigil of this feast just five years later on April 2nd, 2005. His last written words recorded from his deathbed called for a greater acceptance and understanding of divine mercy. He had written these words to be read to the public on Divine Mercy Sunday, which were read on that very day and ended with these words. Jesus, I trust in you. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. So, brothers and sisters, the church desires us to know the message of divine mercy that was given to the world and the Lord by the Lord through St. Faustina and was recorded in her diary by his command. The greatest of the graces is the promise of the outpouring of a whole ocean of graces and total forgiveness of sins and punishment for any soul that would go to confession and receive Holy Communion on the feast of divine mercy. To encourage the faithful, the church exercises the gift and power that she has that Jesus gave, which we heard today, that which is bound and unbound. The power of loosening and binding, she offers on this day a plenary indulgence for anyone who goes to confession, receives communion, and prays for the intention of the Holy Father, being free of habitual sin. So before I go on, let's deal with that word indulgence because it gets thrown around a lot. It has become become a common misunderstanding, one that anti-Catholic commentators take advantage of by relying on the ignorance of both Catholics and non-Catholics alike. First of all, you don't buy them. Indulgences are not sold. They aren't applied to future sins or people who have already died. They're strictly limited to loosening of the temporal punishment associated with sin. Temporal punishment. That's like time out. Somebody plays with a ball in the house, breaks a lamp. Dad says, you know you weren't supposed to play ball in the house. There's a forgiveness that takes place. I'm sorry. I know you're sorry. Now there's a temporal punishment. Go to your room and wait there until dinner. You're still invited to the table, but you have to do time out. Eternal pun- this is where purgation takes place. Eternal punishment comes after you die. Your fate. Purgatory, heaven, versus hell is set. Most anti-Catholic rhetoric about indulgence is focused on a time when indulgences were connected to almsgiving, the giving of money for the care of the poor. So to safeguard the faithful and counter this false charge, Pope Pius V You can see his statue at St. Catherine's. He holds a ship, has red shoes and a rosary, and he has the Roman Missal in his hand. The same prayers that we will use in the first Missal. Great lover of the poor, who defended the church against the Mohammedans at the Battle of Lepanto, and then instituted the Feast of the Most Holy Rosary. He also instituted the reforms of the Council of Trent, which set about harsh punishment on anyone who collected fees. So that's the history lesson behind us. 
Why should you, a Catholic in Raleigh in 2017, get excited when the church associates a plenary indulgence with a pious practice of observing Divine Mercy Sunday, using the sacrament of confession, receiving communion, and praying for the Holy Father? Because we should take advantage of how generous and gentle Mother Church is with the souls in her care, especially on this Sunday. If someone were to give you a Harris Teeter gift card for $150 in groceries, which expired in eight days, would you toss it on the ground? No. Would you leave it in the pew? No. I bet in no time we'd see you wheeling that cart of groceries down the aisle, and then you see you in your car with a big smile on your face. Oh, that we could hunger for spiritual goods and consider the outpouring of the ocean of mercy in the plenary indulgence offered with this feast. Oh, that we could spare 20 seconds of thought and consider how joyous our souls would be with zero days of temporal punishment. I'll be happy to sit in the confessional all day if someone would simply bring me a cup of water. For on Divine Mercy Sunday, the words of Jesus on the cross make perfect sense. I thirst. He's thirsting for your soul to bathe it in the forgiving rays of water and blood which flow from his pierced side. Jesus, I trust in you. Father Michael Gately, in his book entitled Consoling Heart of Jesus, uses an analogy of a piece of chocolate cake. He says, have you ever been offered a piece of delicious chocolate cake and said, oh no, thank you, I couldn't, when in fact you really wanted it? And the host took time to prepare it for you? This may be good for your waistline, but it's not spiritually wise when it comes to the consolations offered by God. It's prideful to turn down consolations from God. It's like saying, no thanks, I don't need your mercy. I can do it alone. I don't need God. But if he's offering the complete forgiveness, the wiping away of all temporal punishment associated with sin, eat that cake. Accept that consolation joyfully and with expediency. He may be preparing you for tough times ahead. Remember, he doesn't offer us consolations unless he knows it's good for our souls and for our growth in holiness. Jesus also told St. Faustina that the Feast of Divine Mercy would be, quote, the last hope of salvation. Although no one knows when Jesus will return, it would be wise for everyone, especially pastors of souls, to take advantage of and make known the extraordinary gift of total forgiveness of sin and remission of temporal punishment in the plenary indulgence offered on this feast. As I mentioned last night while distributing communion, as a priest, it's such a joy knowing as I place a host on someone's tongue or in their hand that Jesus is entering into your fears and in my fears. That he desires, just like he did with those apostles, to come into the locked room where they were, into the locked room of our hearts, the things that frighten us, and bring us peace. Jesus Christ is the mercy of God, and he is the peace of God, and he comes to you in holy communion. Today is a torrent, a flood of mercy on this day, so don't be afraid, like Peter was last week, 
to let the Lord not only wash your feet, but prepare your soul for an eternity of blessedness with God, with the angels and with the saints. And when you do, let the world see your joy, for joy is the hallmark of sanctity, especially in the midst of trial. It's the hallmark of saints. They're known for their joy in the midst of trial. Know mercy and radiate joy. Seek him and know his peace. Almighty Father, look with kindness upon your people as we turn to you in your great mercy. We pray for the church throughout the world, for our Holy Father, Pope Francis, and for those who are discerning who will be the next Bishop of the Diocese of Raleigh. May you give them wisdom and right judgment, we pray to the Lord. Lord, We pray for our nation, for its leaders, justices, for our citizens, especially those in greatest need, and for those who defend our freedoms, that our nation may be reconsecrated to our Blessed Mother under the image of the Immaculate Conception and that our laws may reflect an inherent dignity for all human beings, we pray to the Lord. Lord, We pray for the sick, for those who carry in their bodies a sharing in the passion of Christ. May they be strengthened through the virtue of fortitude and nurtured by the faithful, we pray to the Lord. We pray for the person or persons here in greatest need. We pray to the Lord. Lord, We pray in thanksgiving for our three transitional deacons who were ordained yesterday, for Deacon Marlon Mandieta, for Christopher Cohn and Michael Cubbyu, that the Lord may bless their ministry and their preaching this day for the first time, that they may inspire others, and that their service may give glory to God. We pray to the Lord. Lord, For an increase in vocations to the priesthood and religious life, that more young people may hear and respond with courage to the Lord's invitation, we pray to the Lord. Lord, We pray for the dead, for all those who have gone before us, but especially for those who have no one to pray for them. Welcome them into your heavenly kingdom and allow them to enjoy the beatific vision forever. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.